Welcome, welcome this morning to Big Woods Bible Church. Those of you that have gathered on another day that the Lord has just held back the rain. Thank you for those that are joining us online. We welcome every single one of you as we worship the Lord on the Lord's Day. We're going to cover some territory today as we continue on in our series in the book of Exodus. Before we go any further, it is more than fitting and appropriate to bow our heads together and ask for the Lord just to speak to us uh, through his word that we would leave um, having gathered together, knowing that we have heard from him and him alone this morning. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we are most grateful for who you are in your goodness and grace to us that we simply do not deserve. You've given to us yet one more day to lift up our voices in praise to you, to express adoration for your amazing love. Thank you for every single person that is here, every, every home and family that is represented. I thank you, Lord, most of all for your very presence with us. You've given to us your word that, that is alive, that's quick and powerful. I pray, Lord, that you would speak, that we would hear, and that you would direct us and steer us and guide us as we seek to live simply as faithful followers of Jesus. Lord, I pray for this community that you've allowed us, you've blessed us to be part of, that we would, that we would be bright, shining lights of your love and of your grace and of your mercy to all those around us. Father, I ask for help this morning that, that you would guard my mind and my mouth that everything that is spoken would be for your, your honor and glory. We ask this in the amazing and wonderful and matchless name of Jesus. Amen and amen. I think it's pretty obvious. I think we all could admit we, we've been in just a really, really weird season these past couple months. If you recall, it kind of started back in, in March where we couldn't even gather. And so you stayed home and watched faithfully, and I commend you for your faithfulness. Each Sunday we would gather, and I would preach to about 400 empty chairs in the sanctuary. We did that for about 12 weeks. Since that time, we've been inside just a, a couple times, but it's been almost another 12 weeks we've been gathering like this backing cars and trucks up and bringing out your little tents and, and chairs. It's just really, really been a different, difficult time. And there have been challenges and problems. I heard of a pastor recently, actually just this past week, he was recording a message. And he preached for 45 minutes to record the message to be sent out to his church. And after he finished, he realized that his mic was actually on mute we had to do the whole thing over again. It's just been a challenging season to have church. There's been problems, and we recognize that. I think it's in moments like this that not only do we look for, but we need the presence of God. We need, we need to sense his closeness probably now more than any other time. Now, we know that what God is omnipresent means that he's all present. means that he is everywhere 
at all times. Just think on that for a moment and automatically it begins to like blow our mind. What do you mean he's everywhere? God is present with us here today. He, he's here. He's here. Not only does he see you here as well, but he actually sees what's inside of you. He knows what's swirling through your mind right now. He knows what you've done over the course of the past week. He is present with us. The joy and the delight of an omnipresent God to know that he's everywhere at all times is that he graciously gives to us reminders of his presence. Do you realize that? This is the Lord's day. We used to celebrate the Sabbath in the Old Testament, but today we celebrate the first day of the week. We take this day and we set it apart. Then every other day of the week, what? To be reminded that this is the Lord's day. This, he's holy. This is a holy time. It's a reminder of his presence. God has given to us what? The Lord's people. It used to be the nation, Israel, chosen, called out, but now it's the bride of Christ. It's the church of Jesus Christ. You realize that when you spend time together with one another, we sense the closeness and the presence of God when we gather together. The Lord gave to us what? Last week we remember the, the Lord's table, the, the bread and the wine is a picture of the body and the blood of Jesus. Do this, remembrance of me. Every time we do this, we're, we're given a reminder of the presence of God. I don't think there's any greater way than what? Than the word of God. Every single time we open it, I have, nothing to, I have nothing to tell you apart from what's in this word. Every time we read it and study, we sense the presence and the closeness of an omnipresent God. Even in dry, difficult, desert moments that we've been going through. We've been following and tracking with the nation Israel who are also what? In a wilderness journey. But you realize that God wanted his children to know that he was with them. Just like this morning, God wants you to know that he is here. God wants you to know and be reminded, be encouraged that God is with you. In the Old Testament, it's, it's something that's referred to as the tabernacle. We're going to learn about that this morning. You actually have a picture of it in your notes. Later, it was the temple that represented the presence of God. The tabernacle we're going to see was ornate, exquisite, beautiful, but it wasn't perfect. It was a tent, a tent. And yet it represented the presence of God. It was an important place that we'll learn about this morning that what? We can behold our God. Today, thankfully, we don't have to go into a tent. We don't have to have someone intercede for us. We can go directly to God. Any moment, any day, because of and through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the focus. 
we want to have before you this morning. There are large portions that we're trying, trying to cover this morning, Exodus chapter 25 through 30, and it's actually repeated. It describes the elements that we'll speak of, but also Exodus 36 through 40 describes the making of the elements. So we're not going to read all the portions. We cannot. We won't read them exclusively, but I do want to direct your attention to some First, first couple of verses, I want you to follow along and read in Exodus chapter 25. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel that they take for me a contribution from every man whose heart moves him. You shall receive the contribution for me. And this is the contribution that you shall receive from them. Gold and silver and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins, goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones and stones for setting for the ephod and for the breastpiece, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and all of its furniture, so you shall make it. First of all, I want to remind you this morning that with this tabernacle, it was very costly. Anything that's costly is what it's expecting in a sense. It's going to cost or it's going to demand a level of sacrifice. Last week we spoke about the importance of the Old Testament in our lives, that we cannot and we will not ever unhitch our faith from the Old Testament, as some people sadly and wrongly say today. If you recall last week, we learned about what two mistakes that we need to avoid. We cannot ignore all of the Old Testament as irrelevant, neither can we implement all of the Old Testament as law. So today in our text... In Exodus chapter 25, there's a great picture of the importance of sacrificial giving for the work of the Lord. I love how it says this. Every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive the contribution. I looked at that word in Hebrew, that, that word heart movement or heart moving. It means to prompt, to incite, to be in a state desiring to do something. It means to be willing. So the idea of that when we speak about God's presence, in a sense, demanding something that's going to be sacrificial, he says, I want you to offer this as your heart moves you willingly. So much of what we do by way of a service to the Lord is what? Fine, take it. I hope you enjoy it. It's, it's really like the, the older brother who knows the right thing to do is what is to share with his little sister. And he knows that he's got to do it. He's got he's to un unhook it from his clawed fingers. Take it. You know, that's, that's, that's the opposite. That's what we want to avoid. Actually, we're instructed here that all of our giving is to be done willingly, and thus, ultimately, when it's done what? Willingly, we give cheerfully or joyfully. 
Second Corinthians, we spent some time in that over the summer. It says this in chapter 9. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So in a sense, what? The presence of God that demands sacrifice says everyone's got to be a part of this. Everyone pitches in. It's not based on the amount. It's based on the willingness of you giving. So not only do we give what? Willingly. But you also speak about the fact that we give sacrificially. Just that list that we read of things that this is what we want. Again, this is Old Testament. We do not implement this as law. But it said what? Gather together and give. Look at this list. Gold and silver and bronze and blue and purple scarlet yarns and fine twined linens and tanned leathers and oils and spices and precious stones. I don't, this is a pretty impressive list of stuff to be sacrificially giving to the Lord. It reminds me of what the author of Proverbs says, what? You honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all of your produce. So much what I have found of what is offered to the Lord is that which you don't want any longer. So much of what is offered to the Lord is what is left over as opposed to, wait a minute, didn't God give to us his very best? Therefore, we are to give him our very best. Again, in 2 Corinthians, it says that there was an example of a group of churches in Macedonia And it describes this, and I love this description, that they actually gave to the work of the Lord out of a severe test of affliction. Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity. They didn't have a whole lot, but they gave and they sacrificed willingly and cheerfully. If you continue on in the story right here in Exodus, by the time you get to Exodus chapter 36, later on in verses 5 and 6, it actually had to have a a church bulletin, a church announcement had to go out, and it sounded something like this. You tell the people to stop bringing gifts in. It actually says this in Exodus 35, 36, verse 6. So the people were restrained from bringing For the material they had was sufficient to do all of the work and more. Imagine a pastor saying, stop giving. We're way over the limit. That's the picture of what happens when we understand and recognize the presence of God amongst us. Yes, the tabernacle was costly, but also we know, perhaps even more importantly, the tabernacle was holy. And it displayed something for us. It displayed sacredness. I'm going to read a couple different verses. Exodus chapter 25, verses 10 and, and 11. They shall make an ark of acacia wood. 
Two cubits and a half shall be its length, a cubit and a half its breadth, the cubit and a half its height. You shall overlay it with pure gold. Inside and outside, you shall overlay it. You shall make it, you shall make on it a molding of gold around it. Down in verse 23, they're making a table. And it says, you shall make a table of acacia wood. Two cubits shall be its length, a cubit its breadth, the cubit and a half its height. You shall overlay it with pure gold. Make a molding of gold around it. Down in verse 31, you shall make a lampstand of pure gold. Chapter 26, verse 1, moreover, you shall make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine twined linen and blue and purple and scarlet yarns. You shall make them with cherubim skillfully worked or woven into them. It's very apparent here that something is unique in the building. This is, this is not the way that we build stuff today. Something is special. It's very expensive. It's set apart. What it is, is it's holy. All of the golds, the abundance of details and the intricate design both, re both reveals and reflects an intricate designer. There's so much detail to be concerned about in the artistry and the craftsmanship of those carvings and the etchings and the sewings attention to detail when it comes to the colors and the threads and the weaving pattern all of it speaks that something here is is unique from everything else it's set apart later we're going to learn about what who is to handle these the priests when these things are to be handled on the Sabbath, but why? Why? Why is there such attention to detail here? Why is the Old Testament here? Why do we read this? And it begins with the Ark of the Covenant that displays something that we need to be reminded of today, the mercy of God. Now, everything in the tabernacle centers around what is referred to as the Ark of the Covenants. And you've heard of that before. Everything in the tent begins and centers around this, this wooden box of acacia wood. It's basically about three foot nine inches long and two foot three inches high, wide as well. It's covered in pure gold. There to be gold offerings that, that, that were all melted down. People literally brought their jewelry, their earrings, and their necklaces. And they melted it down, and they beat it thin. They hammered it, and they covered the ark in pure gold. It says that they also put gold rings, four gold rings, Two on each side. And then they had two poles that were covered in pure gold. And the poles went through the ring so it could be carried and it could be moved. On top of the, the Ark of the Covenant was, was a lid. It's referred to as the mercy seat. That again was pure gold. And on the mercy seat was an image of, of, of two cherubim with their wings outstretched, and they were facing one another, and their heads were bowed towards one another. And all of this was to take place so that one day of the year, on the Day of Atonement, a sacrifice was to be made. The high priest was going to go into the Ark of the Covenant and was going to sprinkle the blood of a bull on top of the mercy seat, and God is what revealing what his mercy to the people of Israel, because something died and blood was shed, their sin was atoned for or paid for. The delight is that we know scripture later reveals Jesus Christ 
through his work and through his provision for us of salvation describes once and for all what happened at the mercy seat. Hebrews chapter 2 says this, that he, speaking of Christ, might become a merciful and a faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Romans chapter 3, we all know this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation for his blood, by his blood, to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he passed over our former sins. The Ark of the Covenant was a place, was a picture of what God was offering to us in his mercy. And yet there's more elements, there's more pieces within the tabernacle, the table of bread, where it offers, reminds us of God's provision. Again, the detail is very elaborate, but it's, it's a wooden table, again, made of acacia wood. It's overlaid with pure gold. And again, there were rings and gold poles. But on the table, there were 12 loaves of bread, each loaf refer- representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And the bread also was a visible reminder of the presence of God that he provided, miraculously provided for them. Remember when manna fell down from heaven and they were nourished? The way that God what mercifully provides for us every single day. In the tabernacle, there was the golden lampstand. It just reminds us of the light. This is pure gold with a base and a single stem and six branches, three on each side. You think about a Jewish menorah. That's exactly what it looked like. This particular lamp weighed 75 pounds, one lamp, 75 pounds of pure gold. I checked uh, the price of gold just this week at $1,913 an ounce. Your gold investments are doing well. That one lamp today, 2.2 Two million two hundred and ninety-five thousand six hundred dollars just for the lamp. Why? Because God is revealing Himself. He He wants light to be to be shining in. It sits in the entrance. It shines brightly in the tent. So everyone could see what was going on. The priest, the symbolic picture of the fact that God is light. And we know ultimately that the light was sent to dwell among us, that Jesus Christ is our light. The tabernacle itself, an elaborate, exquisite tent. You're telling me that the presence of God is, I spent like two nights, we we camped like two nights in a tent. It was horrible. And yet God himself, why? Because this wasn't just like any tent It represented the presence of God. It's a tent about 45 feet long, 15 feet wide, 15 feet high, but it was made of the finest material by the greatest of craftsmen and artisans. Why? For the highest of purposes to worship the one true God. There's tremendous detail on the priestly garments. The priests were the ones who were the representatives of the people to God. 
says that he wore an elaborate robe and a breastplate and a turban and a sash and an ephod made of gold and blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen skillfully worked. It's just, there's such expense here. There's such effort that is put forth. There's such investment. There's such sacrifice. There's such work and such care. Why? Because it all reflects and speaks about the holiness of, of God. The holiness of God matters. And yet today, I'm fearful that in a very casual, kind of a flippant way, we often what? We miss the holiness of God. Just stop for a moment in everything and all the craziness and the hectiness of the busyness of your own schedule and just pause. God is completely holy and yet he desires relationship and closeness and intimacy how does that happen all all of the pieces that were in this tent in this tabernacle were to reflect the holiness and the sacredness of god why because something was happening here thirdly and finally the tabernacle was lovely it's lovely offering salvation no doubt it's Beautiful, and we love to look at beautiful things. But the idea was, don't, 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 do not get caught up in the beauty. There's no doubt it was expensive, and, and many of us, what we just love expensive. Don't, don't get caught up in the expense of it. There's a reason here, and there's a purpose here that a payment needs to be made. That atonement was necessary. Why? Because sin is real. And the destruction, apart from the intervention, is absolutely certain. There's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing more wonderful than to take that which is broken, that which is ashes, and turn it into beauty. And that is exactly what's happening through the exquisiteness of the temple. Yes, there was bloodshed. Yes, there was, what, death. And yes, there was burning. But it was something that happened in what? In the Holy of Holies, entered once a year by the high priest who sprinkled the blood of a sacrificial bull, making atonement for the people of Israel. All of it is described in great detail in the book of Leviticus. It talks about what Aaron, the high priest, had to do to atone for himself before others could be atoned for. Leviticus chapter 16, And Aaron shall bring the bull of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house. Shall kill the bull as the sin offering, which is for himself. He shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side. And before the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. For on that day, the priest shall make atonement for you. To cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. We step back and like, this is just completely crazy. This like borders on creepy, like blood sprinkled and animals sacrificed. The design was only temporary. It's never Permanent. A tent is never a permanent place of dwelling. There is hope here in this picture, in this image. 
in the artifacts. Not to get caught up in the beauty and the symbols, but in the one all of this points to. All this points to one. When Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, it says in Hebrews chapter 9, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing eternal Redemption. We speak of what Jesus Christ, who is the better sacrifice. Like, wait a minute, I, I'm still not tracking. Like a, a tent in a, a desert 3,500 years ago. Why? Like, what, why are we even talking about this today? Like, what, what are you doing? Why is it here? What does it mean for me? So what? Now what? Pastor Tim, look around here. Like, do you realize what's happening? Like, we have a global pandemic. We're in, like, economic uncertainty, and there's this political rancidness that exists everywhere. Racism and violence bounds and hatred exists. Like, what are we talking about tents in a desert for? God dwelling amongst the people of Israel by way of the tabernacle and points to what him through the furniture was a foreshadowing of the presence of God in Christ with his church today. That's why we talk about it. That's why this is important for us to learn. Ultimately, all of the Old Testament and the tabernacle and everything in the tabernacle points to this someone who directs us into the presence of God. It's Jesus. It's all about Jesus, his closeness and his presence and his majesty. This holiness, the forgiveness that Jesus offers us. How, how can a holy God dwell amongst what sinful people? We're offering like raw cooked chicken to people. Like how does that happen? How can sinful people ever enter a holy place? The tabernacle and all of its furniture, the ark and the table, the lamp, simply show us how holy God is and how sinful man is. And yet, actually, there is a way and a means for us to dwell together. And thankfully, we don't have to go through that route any longer. Thankfully, because of Christ, well, we don't have to be killing bulls, sprinkling with our fingers and going through someone. We don't have to do that. There is what? Right now a greater and truer tabernacle. It says in John chapter 1, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. It means that God Himself came here as the person, Jesus, who took up residents who tabernacled among us. 
The great 17th century Puritan preacher, theologian John Owen, said this, Everything Moses did in building the tabernacle and instituting all of its services was intended to testify to the person and the glory of Christ, which would later be revealed. You realize that Jesus is the better ark. You realize that Jesus is the better altar. Jesus is the better bread. Jesus is the better light. Jesus is the better priest. We cannot unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament any more than you can unhitch yourself from what? From Jesus. We need these powerful pictures and reminders that keep us ever mindful of the presence and sufficiency of our Savior. You realize what today is? I know you checked your calendars. September the 27th. Yep. In Jewish history, today, this very day is Yom Kippur. Do you realize that? Today is is the holiest day in all of Jewish history. Today is the Day of Atonement. Today would be the day that the priest would go in. Today, this very day. That would, that, would, that would sprinkle the blood and offer sacrifice. Incense would be burned so that the people whom God chose and set apart and loved would be forgiven. You, you realize that every day for us, every single day, we can go directly to God through Jesus. Yesterday, many of you know and perhaps even prayed for, there was a gathering literally of hundreds and hundreds of churches, thousands and thousands of people gathered in Washington, D.C. There was no music. There was no performance. It was a time of just prayer. And specifically, yesterday was set apart as a day to pray for repentance individually but also repentance as a nation. You know, I I think that that's a wonderful reminder of why we've gathered here today in the presence of God to know that we do not deserve, we do not deserve relationship and fellowship. We don't deserve to be able to worship. We don't deserve the closeness and the communion, the union, the quietness. We don't deserve any of that. But yet because of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he accomplished for us on the cross... In the tomb. He's the once and for all time sacrifice today. What a wonderful day in the quietness of your own heart to pray for repentance. I've spoken with many people over these past really, really strange months. Many people literally just what clutched in fear. Uncontrolled fear not trusting God in his sovereignty and his providence is sin. And we need to repent from that. We need to repent from the fact that like we do church right. Everyone else does it wrong. Wait, wait a minute. That's just arrogance and pride. And, and we need to be repenting from arrogance and pride. Some of you know what, what exists in, in your own head and what's spinning. Like, is this guy going to be done soon? Can we go home and eat lunch? That, that, we, that we don't give the attention 
to God and, and to his word. And some of you even here this morning or listening need to repent from some of the apathy and complacency that you've shown the attention that needs to be given to the word of God. Some of you struggling with, with lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Whatever it is, be mindful and grateful of the presence of God and the closeness that we have because of Jesus. And at any moment, we don't have to wait for one day a year. At any moment, we can repent from our sins. And in full obedience, in full obedience, not perfection. We're sinners. Sinners are going to sin. Ministry's messy. But we understand that we have been what? Called and set apart to live uniquely and differently, to live holy, understanding the goodness and the grace that God has shown to us by his very presence with us in the person and the work of Jesus. May today, may this morning, be a moment that you mark in your life when you have prayed for repentance from your sin accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as the once and for all time sacrifice for your sins. He paid the price for your sin and for mine. And now you desire, as tough as it's going to be, you desire to follow him and submit to his lordship and live in full obedience. May today be that day in your life. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we are just so thrilled with who you are. I thank you for your patience with us. I thank you for your love for us. And we're so unlovable. I thank you for all of your word. I thank you specifically for the Old Testament, where there's so many design details that we can get lost in. But it's all pointing to you. We thank you for that. Father, I pray that as a local church of Jesus Christ, Big Woods Bible Church, that we would submit to you, we would repent of our sins, that we would put our full faith and trust in Jesus as our Savior and, and, and live in submissive obedience. And Lord, how, how much joy there comes with knowing that we have full access to you every day. We thank you for your love shown to us through the work of Jesus. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.